and he says, okay, here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to get on the ground as if you've just fallen. And I'm thinking, wow, you are an idiot. Like, I didn't pay you to teach me to sit on the ground. I talk, I'm paying a good bit of money here and taking up my full afternoon because I want you to teach me how to not do this. <laughs> but anyway, he, he had us fall down. And the very first thing that he taught us was how to get up, how to get up. And what he knew that I didn't know was that falling, whether you are a beginner skier or whether you are a world-class skier and you are in the Olympics, falling is just a part of the game. Falling is pretty much, you know, a part and parcel with the whole idea of snow skiing. So you might as well go ahead and learn how to fall, one, in such a way so that you decrease the likelihood that you're going to injure yourself because you can get hurt, but there are things that you can do to prevent injury. And then you also need to know how to get back up because it's not that easy to get up when, you know, you're on a mountain that looks like this and you've got these two blades that want to take you flying down the mountain. So anyway, but that was the first thing that he taught us was falling is a part of the deal. This month, we have been in a sermon series called This Is Us, and we have been looking at what does it mean to do life together, to do community together. We've talked about sometimes when we are in community with one another, it is messy. Sometimes, like uh, the two brothers we talked about, Joseph and Judah, sometimes those relationships are hard and they're messy. And we talk about how we need to make sure, though, that we never lose hope that there is the power of love over time, that over time God can change hearts and bring reconciliation. We talked about how sometimes our relationships are unlikely. Talked about Jonathan and David and their unlikely friendship. Uh, we also talked about how as, as community, this is us, that we are for one another. Fam camp, we talked about how we were for our neighbor. And so we've talked about some of these big stories, but what I want to talk to you today is about something that is pretty basic and something that is a part of the game, and that is conflict. Conflict. Now, when you think about conflict, um, it is for me something that I don't enjoy. It's something that I want to avoid. Just like when I was snow skiing and our instructor said, I want you to get on the ground and I want you to now try and get up. He was preparing us for what was the inevitable. And so today we're going to be looking at the big idea of conflict. And here's the question that I want us to think about. What if conflict isn't good or bad? So if we could have that next slide up. What if conflict isn't good or bad? What if how we move through conflict is what either makes it destructive or constructive? I think about Facebook. Facebook is a platform. Facebook is a great way to connect with people, but Facebook is also a great vehicle to be very destructive in our connection with other people. Right now, the political climate is something that I have never seen in my entire life, the, the, the visceral anger and the polarization that we are experiencing. And Facebook is a platform where a lot of the hatred is, is being skewed and where the polarization is getting worse and worse. 
On the other hand, Facebook is also a platform where I've been able to connect with friends from high school, friends from when I was in kindergarten, place when, you know, when your my daughter was in the hospital a while back um, with meningitis, and it was a place that I was able to put out there on on the inter- on Facebook and say, you know, Mary is in the hospital, please pray with us. And I mean, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people praying for us. So I say that as an example. It is a neutral, almost like falling and skiing. It is what it is. It you it is going to happen. I think what makes conflict um, something that tears us apart or something that has the possibility to actually draw us closer together is how we move through that. So as I start this, I want you just to think about, think about when you were growing up, how was that handled in your home? What did you learn? Did you learn that it was okay to talk about your feelings? It was okay to be honest with what was going on, that that you could work through things in a healthy way? Or did you learn that, you know, you shut down, it's not safe? Because sometimes we take those life lessons into adulthood. Think about um, someone you're in a close relationship with, maybe a spouse, maybe a parent or a child or maybe a good friend. How do y'all navigate the inevitability of the conflict in your relationship. So I want us just to think about that. Our passage that we're looking at today comes from the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is a letter that Paul is writing to um, a, a churches there in the Mediterranean basin, and he writes this here. Um, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses. So he is saying, in the past, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. In the past, you lived according to the passions and the desires of your flesh. In the past, this is you were kind of ruled by your unsanctified emotions, if you will. And he says, but now, Christ, we have been made alive together with Christ. And I want to pause right here with that, like that, that phrase. And our, our bishop, who is the leader of the South Georgia Conference, he has made this phrase, alive together with Christ, to be his theme for this year and something that he is hoping that we will live into together. But this one little word becomes either the greatest blessing or the greatest pain in our life, and that is the word together. Because that is the part that if we navigate conflict well and in a Christ-like way, our relationships that we have with our mother, with our father, with our husband, with our friend, with our neighbor, with our, our church members, those in our Sunday school class, this can be the greatest just example of strength and support and help, but it can also be the place of our greatest pain. So he says that we have been made alive together with Christ, and he says, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and made us to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he wants to give us a better way to be alive together in Christ. So first thing, just and again, this is kind of basic 101. Uh, when I was, you know, we were snow skiing, he said, okay, the first thing you want to do when you fall is put your skis parallel to the mountain. Don't point them head down, straight down, because if you point them straight down, you will die. You will die. (laughs) So, no, I would die. So, the first thing that to think about when we are thinking about managing conflict is it is so important 
to talk to one another instead of about one another. You want, I, oh, I heard that grumble. <laughs> we want to talk to one another, not about one another. Now, let's look at the biblical, kind of the biblical basis for this. In Matthew, uh, Matthew writes, and he says, If you're standing before the altar in the temple, giving an offering to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. There's a conflict. You and someone are, there's something going on. And he says, leave your offering there beside the altar. Before you come to church, before you have your quiet time, before you do anything spiritual, the most spiritual thing Christ wants you to do is to go at once and first be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your gift to God. It's that important to God that he says it's going to block and it's going to hinder your relationship with him if you don't get this settled with the person that you love, the person who has hurt your heart, the person that you are angry with. The other scripture is from Matthew 18, and it's not that one, David. <laughs> David's helping me out up there. Um, the other scripture is in Matthew 18, and, and, and Matthew writes there, it's Jesus' words, but he says, if your brother sins, he says, here's what you're supposed to do. You first go to your brother privately. Now, what I find that people do is when they feel like their brother has sinned against them, they tell what? a friend. And then what do they do? They tell another friend. And then they tell another friend and another friend and another friend. And they don't go and talk to the person that either has offended and hurt them or whom they have hurt. And so Jesus gives us this really healthy model, and that is we are to talk to people, not about people. Um, there's an author, and I like his, his work. His name is Edwin Friedman, and he has a book he's written. It's called The Failure of Nerve. And if you're in any kind of leadership role, uh, maybe at work or uh, at school or some, any, any leadership role, this is a great little book on leadership. And one of the things that he talks about is that in, in, in groups, when people, you know, gather together in community, that what our propensity is, is that when I'm in conflict with you, or you're in conflict with me, and we've had some kind of disagreement, that what is happening inside of me is, oh, y'all think about yourselves, what happens to you? You're angry, you're anxious, you're mad, you're frustrated, whatever that emotion is, and you want to do something with that emotion. So what you do is you tell another person. And what that does is it actually brings your anxiety down. Does that make sense? But then when you tell the other person and the other person, you're starting to feel better. And that's why we use an example. He says if you go to your brother and, it, and you can't work it out, bring a friend. And then he says even tell it before the whole church. So there are times to engage and bring others. But, but the first thing we should always do is to begin by talking to one another instead of about one another. And I, and I think that is, you know, you think about our nation and what's going on, and, and one side is hurling insults at the other, and another side is hurling insults at the other. And it's just hard to have a civil dialogue because we're talking about one another and not talking to one another and trying to find creative solutions.
yourself to God. So that's the first thing, and I really see that in Scripture there. Um, and, and I will say, and when we don't do that, what it becomes, it becomes gossip and slander. And, and the reason it does is because when my brother has offended me, and I tell you, and I tell somebody else, am I going to tell this story in such a way that makes me look good or makes my brother who's offended me look good? Yeah, we know. I'm always the hero. They're always the bad guy because that's how it plays out in my head. But they're not there to defend themselves. And that's another reason that it's, it's just not fair. It's not fair to the person who's not involved. So think about that. Um, and I will say uh, just along those lines, I thought about this story as I was preparing. Um, I had somebody um, really model this for me very well. Um, years ago, I was working in Columbus at the Pastoral Institute. It was a counseling center. And uh, my boss, his name was Ron King. He was the executive director and CEO. And one day, I had gotten mad at one of my coworkers, one of the other. I, I directed the division, and this uh, my coworker directed the division. And I felt he had done something that was pretty, pretty bad, you know, for, for anyway, long story, and I won't go into it. But I went to coffee. And it was about, I don't know, about 5 till 5 in the afternoon, kind of the end of the work day. And I went to Ron's office, and I was like, I am so mad. I can't believe Joe did this and blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, I was just, I was mad. And I will always remember this, I mean, to this day. So Ron sat there, and he listened, and he made sure he understood the situation, and he asked good questions like a good therapist does because he was a therapist back, back then. And, um, and then he said, well, I think this is this is a concern. He said, "Well, let's let's go call uh, Mark." It was his name. He said, "Let's go call Mark, and if he's still in his office, let's go talk to him right now about it." And it was just like, I don't really want to go talk to Mark about it. I just want to rant to you. And uh, and I said, "Well, that's okay. It's probably not that bad. It was probably not that bad." And he goes, "No." If it was bad enough for you to bring it to me, he goes, you're going to watch. And so, you know, 5 o'clock, I'm like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I said all that. And, uh, but, no, we sat down, and, uh, and Ron kind of leaned back, and he said, Fran, what, what are, would you like to share with Mark the things you just shared with me? I will never do that again, but ever. It was the hardest thing. But, but what Ron did for our organization, we were not perfect, but he set the culture that we practice Matthew 18. We practice this scripture where we talk to one another, not about one another. And I, this is a goal that I aim for. It is something that I, I hate to say I fail more often than I get it right. But it is, I think, what Christ would have us do. And it is a positive way to work through our conflict with one another. So the other thing is, and I, this is, this is a, just, I think, an important idea, is to practice curiosity in difficult situations. Practice curiosity in difficult situations. Now, what do I mean by this? So you're in a difficult situation with someone. They have, a, they have an opinion, you have an opinion, and y'all are at a crossroads. You're at, you are at what you feel is an impasse. Line's been drawn in the sand, and, and y'all can't seem to find a compromise. What I want to invite you to do is to practice what St. Francis of Assisi said it this way. He said, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Practice curiosity, asking questions. Help me understand what is it that you're concerned about today. Help me understand your, what's going on inside of you. Help me understand why this is important to you. And what happens is when we're met with anger, 
we want to respond right back in anger. When we feel defensive, we want to go back. And so it takes a tremendous amount of, I think, restraint by the Holy Spirit to, to not respond back in kind, but to step back and to say, help me understand your perspective before I jump into my rant about my perspective. And again, God's wisdom tells us this. In Proverbs, it says, be, oh, I'm sorry, in James, it says, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. And I think this is just so key, and it is one of the most difficult things to do, is to always start by saying, help me understand what your concerns are. doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but it gives a person almost like emotional space, emotional air. They can just go, oh, okay. And that's one way to kind of decrease that, that contentiousness. The other thing is just be honest about what's bothering you. Just be honest about what's bothering you. It is a way to practice vulnerability. And it's, and it's hard to be vulnerable when you don't feel the relationship is safe, when you don't feel that you're going to be respected, that you're going to be heard. But one of the most powerful things that I think someone can do is to say, you know, I'm feeling frustrated right now. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling trapped. I'm feeling like I don't have a voice in this. Whatever that is, but to be honest about what's going on inside of you, it can also create just this connectedness with one another. Does that make sense? So when, when you don't do that and you're on the attack, it causes conflict to be something that pulls you apart rather than drawing you together. But, you know, as, as, a, as a wife, and, and Mark and I have been married over 30 years, some of the most intimate uh, conversations that we've had in our 30 years of marriage have grown out of a disagreement or conflict or misunderstanding where then we begin to pull back the layers and talk about our heart and talk about what's important to us. And it kind of gives you sometimes this opportunity to talk about things that are important and deep. So it has the power, if we handle it right, to help us even be more together, more connected. So the other thing, I like this, um, this uh, scripture in Proverbs 24, is an honest answer is a sign of true friendship. You know, when you can speak honestly about what's going on and what's frustrating you, and you know it's a safe enough place that you can do that. So be honest. It's a true sign of friendship. I like this too. Ephesians says, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head, even Christ, speaking the truth in love. And it is really a mark of spiritual and emotional maturity to be able to do this. So just a few practical things, but I want to close with this. I have been just deeply, deeply troubled by our nation and some of the, um, just, you know, you watch the news. And I'll just go ahead and say, you watch one news station and they, it's almost like we're living in these alternate realities and the alternate universes. And I think the question that I want to ask myself and I want to ask us is, and we all have our political opinions, so I'm not saying to let go of those. But the scripture says, as far as it's up to you, be at peace with all men. And, and I want us to think about these scriptures and think about how can we live this out, not where we all agree and not where we can just say, well, we're not going to talk about it, but how can we engage in dialogue 
where it's healthy and it moves us forward as a nation and as a community and as a people. And I want to read you um, just a, um, a quote by Abraham Lincoln. Um, he said this at his first inaugural address right before the Civil War, right before brothers were about to kill brothers, where the North was going to fight against the South, and there was going to be um, untold you know, casualties, and our nation was on the verge of being ripped apart. And he says, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not become enemies. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break the bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory will yet swell the chorus of the union when again touched as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature, by the better angels of our nature. Now, I was I, in my reading as I was preparing for today, I read that someone had suggested that instead of saying, by the better angels of our nature, that they recommended that he call on like God or, you know, kind of a higher, you know, something external to help bring peace in our nation. And he chose instead to say, no, it is from within. It is the better angels of our nature. And I believe as we go back to that Ephesians where it talks about we are to be alive together in Christ. When we let Christ rule in our hearts, when we let love rule in our hearts, when we seek first to understand and then to be understood, when we choose to talk to people and not about people, that we have a greater opportunity for conflict to be something that draws us together rather than tearing us apart. Uh, whether it is in your family, your friend group, your work group, or here at Martha Bowman, or us as a nation. So what do we, what do we take away? Conflict, just like falling when you're snowshoeing, it's just a part of the game. But it's not good or bad in and of itself. Imagine it as a platform. It is a platform that when we do not move through it in a wise and a Christ-like way, way, it is going to pull us apart and we're going to become more polarized. But when we walk through it in a healthier way, it has the opportunity to draw us closer together at the end of the day. Let's pray. Father, this is for me um, a hard, hard um, lesson because I know that my sin nature, when I'm hurt, when I'm offended, when I'm angry, irritated, what I want to do is relieve that by talking to others. I want to share my, my whatever that is, and I want to spread it out. But what I don't often realize what I'm doing is I'm not helping community be a safe place. Uh, Father, help us to, be, have, to have courage to be led by your spirit, to move towards one another, to move towards one another in love, and to move towards one another in a way that brings you honor and brings you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.